0: Do you sometimes wonder how you could truly have an impact when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging? How do you know you are moving in the right direction when it comes to becoming a more inclusive individual? As diverse as two peas in a pod brings topics such as ethnicity, genders, sexuality or religion on the table. We talk about research and science, but also emotions, feelings. And vulnerability. We discussed allyship, advocacy, and privilege. But most importantly, we took action. Because without action, we stay still. And when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, stillness is never the answer. Welcome to As Diverse as Two Peas in a Pot. In today's episode, I welcome Veronica Carrera, Discuss 140 Miles of Life, a remarkable journey to self acceptance and love, which is the title of her latest book. Veronica's story of triumphing over adversity offers hope and inspiration for readers to discover true inner wisdom and acceptance. This is a story of love, loss, courage, and healing. Today, Veronica is an avid triathlete and passionate advocate for human rights a highly thought-after speaker and a successful sales leader at one of the top tech companies in the world she's also the creator and producer of the linkedin live show 30 minutes of wisdom rising in consciousness and mindfulness veronica holds a b.a in french from brigham young university and an MBA from Cornell's Johnson Graduate School of Management, where she was honoured as the 2015 Best Executive EMBA. She recently completed the Inner MBA Conscious Leadership Program at New York University and is currently pursuing a life coaching certification. I am extremely grateful to have had the chance to spend time with Veronica in this latest episode of As Diverse As Stoopies in a Pod. Well, welcome to another episode of As Diverse as Two Peas in a Pod. Today, I have the great pleasure to welcome Veronica, who has an amazing story to share with us. Veronica, welcome.
1: And thank you so much for having me here, Julian.
0: Well, it's, it's my pleasure, actually, to, to have you, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And um, yeah, and just, just to start with, like I do with, with most of my guests, I'd like to ask you, Veronica, what's your story?
1: What's my story? Okay, maybe the best way to start, uh, what's my story is that I recently published a book titled Mm -hmm. 140 Miles of Life, A Remarkable Journey to Self-Acceptance and Love. And I think the second part of that title is really the essence of my story. So my story is that I am an immigrant who came here to the United States at an early age, I was born in ecuador mm-hmm. and and that's where i I was born i grew up and i was um I was raised by a single mom and she died when I was nine years old mm-hmm. so you can imagine as a child who all she knew was her mother and suddenly she had to lose the only uh, the only lighthouse you know that than she had in this vast sea of life, you know, uh, that was me, and and I, I think that completely shifted my story as a child and mm-hmm. impacted my life uh, as an adult. But if I can just give you some glimpses of 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 uh, of my story, and then you can you're welcome to ask me more questions uh, later if there's any particular part that you want me to get into. But after that. I went to live with grandma after my mom died and we spent in Ecuador just a few more years. And and then my father, who was already in the United States, asked for me to come here Mm
2: -hmm. to the United
1: States. And um, shortly after, it was very obvious that his wife didn't want me there, Mm -hmm. that I was not his child. And there were many problems at home. I experienced some violence and and I ended up being in a foster home and I spent that time and and it was significant. It was powerful and as a child at that age, I learned how to have resilience, uh, have my own voice. And then from there, the story just keeps on getting um, more interesting. And there is a lot of grace. There is a lot of um, uh, challenges and there is a a lot of um, also gratitude because of the journey. But mm-hmm. what I can say from here is that, um, that uh, as, a, as a young person, uh, having gone through a foster homing, experiences experiencing certain challenges and feeling that I have to learn how to survive on my own, one way or the other, despite of all of this, I graduated with honors. I ended up also joining this uh, religious organization, the Mormon church. So I grew up as a Mormon and I ended up going on a Mormon mission, very devoted to my faith. I went to Brigham Young University, the only private university for Mormons. It's an elite school for Mormons. I did all of that. And then at some point, I realized, oh, my gosh, that I have an internal conflict. Mm-hmm. I, that does not align to my faith. I does not align to my religion. It's something that would get me excommunicated. And it was very tough. And I held that secret um, within me for so long. And the fact that I I was gay and uh, that I'm gay and then uh, having to reconcile something in me with my faith that I so much loved was very difficult. It was a mental and spiritual torture for many years of my life after Mm -hmm. that, until there was a point that I went to a really dark place. I went to a really dark place to the point that I contemplated suicide. And this is the turning point in my story in the book because uh, in one of the important messages of really uh, owning who you are, of embracing who you are and understanding that you're enough and that no matter what anyone thinks, you are perfect. And what I want uh, as part of my purpose with this book is to, I want my story to save lives just the way mine was saved. And um, and maybe I can just tell you two more things um, here is that as a person of color, one of the big messages in my my book is that despite any opposition, despite any challenges, I was able to thrive, not just survive, i thrive, I graduated with honors, from high school. Eventually I did a master's degree at Cornell University in Business, uh, my MBA. And I I was selected as the honor as the top MBA for my class. And being a person of color, I uh, is who who have the privilege of being able to, to have these opportunities to be able to um, be recognized by this Ivy League institution, and then also working for a major financial institution in the world, my message is that as people of color, we're standing on the shoulder of giants. And I'm here, uh, Julianne, also to to tell anyone who's a minority, who consider a minority, right? that you can be anything you want. Mm -hmm. And then you are here, and we are here to change those stories that people have about us. And we're here to change the narrative because we're powerful. And, and that's, that's basically the second point. And my last point, and you'll see how my book finishes with this important message, which is forgiveness. and it's forgiveness so that we can release others and that we can also free ourselves and, and, and find healing and, and self-love. And, and that, that's part of the, the story, but I can share with you a little bit more later how I found that, uh, that strength to forget.
0: This is, this, you have such a, such a beautiful story. And, um, and w- one of the things I really love about you, so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I have emotions coming up at the moment <laughs> with, with all these beautiful things you've shared, but as well, it's, um it's a true story that of, of real life somehow it's like, their ups and their downs. And I, I, I love how you shared for the very beginning as as a child how you end up in a situation where you have to build that resilience um and to bounce back from these challenges. And you did. But then another challenge comes which is very different that you then have to think about and, and realize how do you how you're going to deal with it and how you're going to face that other challenge. And then moving on like this, um you have all, all these challenges coming up. And I think resilience here is, is an interesting um, an interesting topic. Someone said a few months ago um, when I was chatting to them that uh, they were talking about activists in this world and how mm-hmm. the activists of these worlds are very resilient people. And I think this is what I heard in your story as well, is that's, that story of how do I bounce back from these challenges but actually every time it makes you even stronger
1: absolutely I love how you put it the activists in this world and I think we're all somehow um, activists of of change of of um, expanding consciousness Mm -hmm. of helping others uh, survive and thrive and heal and find who they truly are so I love how how you put it together and and when we talk about resilience, uh, Julianne, um, you know, I'm just privileged in the sense or fortunate that I have been I have given this opportunity to share my story, but everyone has a story. Everyone does. And one of the things that I am most fascinated about is when I sit with people, I don't want to know about the weather. I don't want to know, you know, what car they like. I really, the, the, the best and most wonderful thing is when I see what people just the way you're doing with this podcast, Julianne, is asking about their stories and you'll find out that everyone somehow will surprise you and fascinate you. And and I find so much beauty in people because when we actually take the time to truly get to know who they are and their stories of resilience.
0: Yeah. And interestingly enough, what you said now actually made me think as well that um, a lot of people don't realize that about themselves. And when you were mm-hmm. talking towards um, the, the end of your story, that um, that you you are enough as an individual and you can achieve whatever you want. Um, I think that's a beautiful message for people who are struggling sometimes to, to see what is their true story and what they've actually achieved. I think we, very easily we put ourselves down and say, well, no, my story is not that exceptional. But actually, you're right. Every single person has that little spark inside them that makes them unique and different. And they should never forget that. I think they should never forget that they are unique and their story is extremely important.
1: Yeah, and what happens, I think, sometimes, Julianne, is that um, we are... In the middle of a struggle, when you are in the middle of of figuring out who you truly are, and and you, and what I call the moments of darkness and getting to the to the light, all of that, it's really hard to know mm-hmm. um, that that you you are have a powerful purpose here, it, because you're you feel like you're lost in the middle of this chaos mm-hmm. or, or the darkness, as, as I call it, but. Um, If you would have asked me a few years ago, seven years ago, oh, yeah, what's your story? I was still in the middle of it 10 years ago, seven, 10 years ago. It would have been really hard to verbalize Mm -hmm. um, the beauty um, of everything that I went through. And I think what happens is, and depending on where we find ourselves in this journey, there are moments and we just need to have that time to sit with the struggle until as a cocoon just you know, as a butterfly coming out of the cocoon, uh, you know, and birth this beautiful butterfly that can fly. Sometimes, when Ooh. we're in the middle of it, we don't understand it yeah. until we we birth this new us, mm-hmm. where we shed anything that is um um is a, is is a light about who we we may be, or is a lack of understanding of who we are. So, as we're birthing or coming back to the essence of who we truly are. Which is love, which is light, which is wisdom. Once we come out of it and we and we understand truly that essence, I think that's when we find uh, that we have the wisdom to be able to share the pearls,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, the diamonds that have come out of this um, of our lives. So, and and that's how I see it. And when you talk about uh, Julian, how how do we how do we? How can we tell when you know about that powerful message within within our lives? Um, I mean, if you want, I can share a story, uh, a little bit of a story of what got me to this point, where I came out of the on the other side.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, I would love to hear that.
1: Yeah. So, for instance, the title of the book is "140 Miles of Life." A lot of people ask it. so that's the first thing I want to talk about. And then, I, the, the second aspect is was more of the spiritual transformation. 140 miles, uh, the reason why it was titled that way is because that's the distance of the longest endurance triathlon in the world. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that is called the Ironman. Uh, So I did an Ironman. uh, And I did that after, um, after experiencing some significant struggles in my life. And I think that was the beginning of my journey to try to push all boundaries within myself to understand what my limits are. And then to understand at the end that I'm limitless, that every time I push, I push to see what I'm capable of. I just realize that I'm capable of more and more. And as humans, we are infinite and we are limitless in many ways. So with this, I I would tell you that when I decided to do an Ironman uh, was uh, when I actually was doing a, a marathon in South Africa in the middle of a game reserve and just to the fun part of this story is that the day before the day before uh, we did the marathon the the locals had to make sure that the lions and the giraffe and all these animals that could be dangerous wouldn't come to the route so they had to just you know just check the route a little bit and as i was running you would see that the people guarding the marathon route had rifles just in case any of these animals would show and things like that and a wonderful experience i love south africa when i finished the marathon right challenging marathon and i did well i was at uh, the top 10th woman uh, not a lot of people on it but there are people all over the world and i mm-hmm. overall my fitness was um at a great level and i finished and then there's this couple this couple, um, the man was from Spain and the woman was from Mexico, really fit couple. And they come to me at the end and they said, Veronica, have you ever thought about doing an Ironman? I, I mean, he, sounds like, he sounded like Antonio Banderas. You know, he looked like <laughs> Antonio Banderas. Have you ever thought about doing an Ironman? You did so well in this marathon. And I, and I, I looked at it I said, I, I, I don't even know what an Ironman is. Explain it to me. And he says, yeah, you know, you really love it. He just had more excitement that he couldn't even explain to me what it was. And he says, it is a 140 mile race. You swim for 2.4 miles. You bike for 112 miles. And then you you run for a full marathon, 26.2 miles. Race in that order and without a break. Mm -hmm. That is Ironman. It takes about 17 hours to complete it. That's the limit. And he looked so excited. And I looked at him and I said, okay, what kind of crazy, right? <laughs> 17 hours nonstop, <laughs> All right? And I looked at them and I told him, you know, thank you. But I don't even know how, to, I barely know how to swim. I don't, I'm really scared of swimming. And he paused He looked at me like if I was not getting him. And he said, Veronica, I can see the look in your eyes. You can do this. And I thank him, I politely them, both of them. And then I said goodbye and I left South Africa and, and to come to New York. When I was in New York sitting in uh, my office, I worked for a top financial firm in the world and I was sitting there and there's this new girl who joined the firm, exactly my department. Nice, wonderful um, woman. And then she tells me, hey, I know you're a great runner. Have you ever thought about doing an Ironman? Like, okay this is so interesting and your stars are aligning suddenly from two different sides of the world and she told me i i participated in an environment and i think you look like you would you should be able to do it so mm-hmm. all of this to tell you that i these are just messages and the that life sends you for a reason and i think that was the first part of my transformation the first time the first part of my this chapter of my life where i started to to shed some of my fears and shed some of the shame. And as I trained for that race, it was so, so difficult. i give you an idea, Julianne. I I remember there were moments as you get closer to the race because I trained for a whole year. You train every day for two hours. On the weekends, you train on a Saturday, seven hours easily. Uh, Sundays, four hours. And I'll give you an example of a training on a Saturday so that you can get a more prepared and build the stamina for race day i will wake up at four something in the morning get to the pool by five something and then swim for two hours and with my team i i I trained with this uh, triathlon team called Mm tri-life the coaches were incredible they trained people to compete um in their best age category in kona which is one of the, the 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 Ironman of the world where everyone, just the best triathletes in their their age category uh, go or qualify. So I would show up, they will do the drills. We swim for two hours and we quickly change. We have our bikes and we bike for a, a hundred miles. And I remember biking from the Upper East Side all the way up to Bear Mountain, all the way up. And I stopped there just enough time to refuel and cycle back down the mountain, back to Upper East Side. So for those who are not familiar with New York and Bear Mountain, believe me, it is very difficult. I will come back after swimming for two hours, cycling for seven hours, just feeling so famished. Um, although you have electrolyzing, all of that. And, and then the next day you, have, you, you run for a good four hours. Mm-hmm. And getting closer to race day, you do everything: bike, swim. I mean, swim, bike, and run all within one day. So then you know that if you are able to cover a certain distance, okay, I am ready for this race. Yeah. And the race, of the, the, uh, the day of the race came, and and despite any challenges within the race, despite feeling sick at certain moments, I finish. I finish in thirteen hours, and that is part of uh, of of my the first. I, I would say the first chapter of this transformational journey mm-hmm. and then it comes now this spiritual transformation uh, after this um, and i'll let you um i'll let you decide whether you want me to share that now or if you have any questions in regards to this one part that i just shared
0: yes i well uh, there's so many questions but uh what, one one thing that came to mind actually is w- when you were talking about that uh, that kind of switch from the the darkness to the lightness you you got very lucky i think to effectively meet people who decided they're going to believe in you um Mm -hmm. when you were in south africa when you're back in the office even though they didn't say necessarily say it out loud the way they did um they, they they gave you that i think that strength and even though maybe you didn't believe in yourself at first as you say it's like um, you mentioned about the Spanish guy and going, thinking, oh, you're crazy. I'm just going to go home and forget about it and and yeah. move on. But it was there in the back of your mind. I think it created something, imagine. And what what I was thinking, what I was wondering, actually, is um, if if you, if I take myself and I would meet someone in your situation, And I realized there is is something, you're in a place maybe where it's not necessarily the lightest place in your life. What is it that I can do to support you in moving forward? Because you discovered the marathon and the Ironman, but not necessarily everybody is actually uh, willing to do these kind of things, but they need that support and they need those that encouragement for them to be able to move forward and move out of that darkness. What are some of the things I could have done at the time if I had met you 7, 10 years ago, as you said, (laughs) to support you in in that journey?
1: Well, you know, definitely Ironman is not for everybody. That was just my personal journey. And Mm -hmm. because I also, as in Ecuador, I grew up as an athlete. So that was something that people could see in me and, and, and everything in and this was an opportunity for me to push all limits within myself. But when you do something that physical, there is also a spiritual aspect of, of, of learning how to believe that something is possible for you. Um, but when you're asking me about others and, and what you can do to support others, um, it's a matter of learning how to see people, right? Uh, Whether um, and understand, just try to understand people to get to know people, right? I I feel like we in our society, we hardly stop to ask the right questions to get to Mm -hmm. for people to be feel seen. And that's what everyone craves for. Everyone wants is to just feel seen. And that's why podcasts like this, Julianne we can transfer something like this, what you're doing, something that's beautiful and powerful, now transfer it to everyday life. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I host sessions sometimes at work or outside of work where we just get together and, and say, okay, just tell me your story, just the way you started with this podcast. And, and that's it. It's just be curious. Get out of yourself. Right? Get out of yourself because I'll tell you this, when you get out of yourself and to try to understand the other, what you're going to find is you're going to find yourself as well
2: mm-hmm.
1: because we're all interconnected. And as you get to know the layers underneath this other human being in front of you, you're going to find out something about yourself and it's going to connect you to this other human being. You're going to find friendships that are going to be formed for a lifetime.
0: Mm-hmm. I uh, Connection is definitely a very powerful thing here. So I'm I'm glad you mentioned that but I'm, I'm going to stop on on this question because i definitely want to hear the next part which okay. is that spiritual journey <laughs> so i had that question in my mind i wanted to ask you but let's yeah let's let's dive deeper and go <laughs> into that spiritual journey of yours tell me more about it
1: yeah no thank you julian that i do want to add one more thing on your question so as after you you create the space for other people to be seen you know you will be inspired to know how to be there for that other person because now you have gotten to know them at a different level
2: Mm. and
1: it's about following your inner guidance your inner intuition your inner compass of how you can truly and genuinely be there for others and as you do that you expand your own consciousness and i feel like you are also blessing your own life um, by extending yourself that way to others so um, that was just to close the circle on, the, on that, you. your um, beautiful question. So, the next part is that uh, what you're going to find out in the story, and that's how I end the last chapters, is that after I push myself through these physical limits that I have, and I find that what I was doing is overcoming fear and overcoming self doubt by doing this Iron Man. I had to learn how to swim, truly, Mm -hmm. and feeling that I, you know, why can I do this and feeling frustrated and all of this, and then coming out on the other side of it and crossing that finish line and saying, oh my gosh, if I did this, I went through tears and thinking that I was not capable of doing this and suddenly sticking sticking to to my, my goal and being able to sur, um, surpass any of this and, and see myself cross the finish line. As I said, that was the first chapter. The first chapter in the sense of overcoming self doubt, overcoming fears. But then it came a much more important journey, which is that spiritual journey. I did tell you that there was a point that I found myself in a really dark place and I considered suicide. And, and then that was a turning point for me. But then I walked away from the only religious organization that I knew Them was my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up and I, for those that don't know much about the Mormon church, it's a very tight community. I was a missionary. So for two years, I served as, or you can call it, it's almost like a monk for two years, just teaching people and serving people. In, and I went to Chile as a missionary, came back to the States. So the Mormon church became my community. That was my family. That was my second mm-hmm. family. And uh, so, walking, uh, as soon as I realized, oh my gosh, who I am is not something that is accepted by this institution. Mm-hmm. And it feels so painful because it feels like you are walking away from anything that you know. You're walking away from God, you're walking away from yourself. Um, and I'll tell you some of the messages that were difficult, like in the Mormon church, it will consider homosexuality as a crime next to murder. Mm. So think about living with yourself with that narrative, that you are a ticking bomb of a <laughs> of, of sinful individual, um, that what you feel in your emotions are completely against anything that is considered sacred and that God does not love you and accept you for this. Mm -hmm. So after years and years and years of struggle, I decided that perhaps who I am is, it's just not, um, it's not what God wants. It's not what anyone wants. And why do I even exist? And I went to that moment where I thought that taking my life was the only, the only solution. And when I found myself in that place, I, I, that was a moment that I remember crying. I was in, the, in an apartment in the in midtown Manhattan. Uh, I was living about three blocks away from my job. I worked for this financial institution. And at that moment when I, when I had to choose between life and death, and I almost took away my life, I knelt down on the floor and I, I prayed. I pray so hard, Juliana. I I've talked to God. I don't know if you can call that praying. I said, God, I have done it your way. Your, I'm, I'm sorry. I've done it your way all my life. I've done it your way all my life. And I started to just weep. I can't do this anymore. I can't. Because I kept denying myself of any love. I kept denying myself of any relationship. I'll enter a relationship that was considered sinful. And I'll end up leaving people again and again. So it was just so devastating and, and feeling that I, I wanted to hold on tight to my faith. And I told God, I, I just can't, I'm broken. I am so broken. And at that point then where I was just crying, there, there was a moment of silence within myself. And I, I told you that I heard this internal voice within me, Juliana, and said, your life is so much bigger than the Mormon church your life is so much bigger than the Mormon church. And feeling and hearing that internal voice within myself, I remember just still kneeling down and, and, and having and with tears in my eyes. And I just said, okay, this is it. I am leaving this religion. I have to choose life. I mm-hmm. have to choose life. And that's when I walked away from the Mormon church, but that doesn't mean that, okay, you are out of this institution then psychologically is over. No, then I had to have years, years after that of freeing myself of shame, guilt, still feeling within myself that if it was not right, that I was doing something wrong, I will continue to leave relationships. You know, yeah. now that I was free, I was not really free. So I started to, and, and, and thinking, by the way, one more thing is that, Now that I left this institution that that taught me to believe that this is the only true church of God, then I guess now that I walked away, there is no God for me. So I felt that I was completely and utterly alone in this world. But I have always been a deeply spiritual person, Julianne, always. So there was a moment that I tried to look for God in a different way. I started going to this church called Middle Church in, in the Upper East Side, very liberal. So it was like a big eye-opener for me uh, that there are institutions that accept people of all races or colors or, you know, sex, uh, sexual identities, it doesn't matter. And and so that was a, the, the first um, the first um, awakening for me. But then I found the lectures of A Course in Miracles with Marianne Williamson and and it's great. It's a, this universal spiritual truth thing I would joined this lecture uh, that Marianne Williamson was uh, given and, and met people who became my spiritual tribe. And, and that was what opened the, the door for me to experience how what I wanted to share about finding forgiveness and healing is that one of my friends from the Marianne Williamson lecture, she's a scientist, um, incredibly smart human being and wonderful person. She called me one day from Costa Rica and she said, Veronica, I just went through a super powerful experience with some shamans here in Costa Rica. And I went to this place called Rhythmia where people do plant medicine, ayahuasca, and and it's powerful, it's healing, Veronica. I want you to experience it. And Julianne, my first answer to her, I was on the phone and I said, you must be crazy. I do not, I don't even know what shamans are. I don't know what ayahuasca is. I don't even drink coffee. I don't do anything. I never had you the alcohol, drugs, nothing. What is this? No, Veronica, you are are misunderstanding this. These are two plans. This is nature. That's what shamans work with. And I dismiss her. I dismiss Mm -hmm. her altogether. But then another friend comes to me that doesn't know my friend Seneca, who is the one who called me the scientist, from work and tells me, Veronica, have you heard about this? place called Rhythmia in Costa Rica. And the people meet with shamans and they go through this amazing healing experience. And this is a friend, uh, his name is Badu. He used to work with me at this uh, financial firm. And I said, Badu, what are you talking about? Are you serious? This is the same place in Costa Rica someone else told me about this place. He says, oh my gosh, it is so much for me. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I'm thinking this is strange. A week or so later, Juliana, third person from my new job comes to me and tells me, do you you remember this girl? Yeah, she went to this place to meet with the shamans. I said, okay, at this point, there is something here. Uh, And I started researching, reading about it. I watched his film, The The Reality of Truth, where Deepa Chopra talks about this, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, the Hollywood actors, they're all in this film discussing the same thing. And that was said for me. And I said to myself, you know what? There is a reason why sometimes the universe brings you things into your life. Mm -hmm. I reflected and went there to that place. And I'll tell you this. This is a, uh, there's a lot that happened that week. It was a whole week. But this is the point where the big transformational journey and experience just transcended everything for me. And it created so much healing in my life, uh, Julianne. I was there, you can imagine shamans, or sin shamans with feathers, This there is smoke from sage, all of it. And there is a sacred fire at the entrance where they blast this brew called uh, ayahuasca, which comes from two plants from nature and everything. I'm still there like wondering, oh my gosh. I mean, everyone is laying down and, and there is a bucket in case you perch and things like that. Once I took it, I, my body started shaking, 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 like profusely. And I'm like, and then there are light workers are people who are helping you. And shamans who are always watching over you. And there's a room full of people, right? But they don't intervene because they trust and the medicine, we call it plant medicine. Ayahuasca is doing the job. So when my body is shaking and then I see the shamans just around me and just, you know, with the feathers, just moving what they call moving the energy, making sure that I'm okay. Suddenly my mind takes me to the moment when I was nine years old. And I'm there in you know, this the school, and there at the school, and the bell rang, and I'm waiting for my mom to show up as she did every day. Mm-hmm. But that day she didn't show up and all the kids ran to their parents i was just there waiting let's say the school closed around one or open at 1 everyone left i was nine years old as i told you i just sat on the sidewalk for hours waiting for my mom to show up she never did because she was dying
2: that
1: is the moment that the ayahuasca journey took me to. Mm-hmm. And I was crying. I never, as a child, processed this. I never cried. I never did it. So this beautiful, powerful, plant medicine took me to a moment that where my, I would call it my spirit was split. My soul was split. That's something I had never healed. And I remember as I was shaking, seeing this in my mind, the shaman comes and touches my heart and says, love that little girl, love that little girl. And what I was seeing, I was seeing me, myself as nine years old, just holding myself from my knees, waiting, waiting, wondering where was my mom. And then the shaman at that moment was just holding the space for me. And there it was, that the first, powerful healing moment for me and i'll finish with this part because there's so much to say about this experience but the part that i'm to i was talking about forgiveness is that during that week one on my last ceremonies you know i had a difficult uh, relationship with my father i ended up mm-hmm. in a foster home and i resented him for not being the father that i wish he would have been not the loving father that i think we all deserve and there were moments I did not want anything for years to do with my father. Nothing. And you can live life for, like that with resentments. Like that for many years without causing some damage to your soul and to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a moment during the ceremony where, okay, now I was shaking again. And I was feeling the sorrow of everything that happened in my life. As in as if it was like a quantum moment, all the moments compounded in this one moment. And the shaman is just there again, helping me. And then at on one moment she asks, who loves you unconditionally? And Julianne, I couldn't think about one person that loved me unconditionally. And, and I started to shake more and I started to cry. And at that moment, I left this room that it looks like a yoga kind of says. Ceremonial room in the middle of the jungle, mm-hmm. and everyone is dressed in white. And I come out to the front and I lay down on the yard where I'm looking at the sky, the stars, and the moon. And then there is a sacred fire in front, and and I'm just on the floor shaking. She's there with me, and she says, "Now, this is how the story ends." She goes, "Now, Veronica." She, she puts oil. She puts oil in my heart She blesses me. Everything. She's now, Veronica. I want you to go to the fire, to the fire right here. Say your name, say your father's name, say your mother's name and give whatever is in your heart. She helps me get there because it is a cement bench. And then there's this beautiful fire in the middle of the jungle where you all you're surrounded is nature. And I could see the other people inside through the glass, you know, the glass um, setup. And everyone is having their own experience, right? Their own healing experience. But I'm sitting there and I'm still shaking. And I say, my name is Maria Veronica Carrera. My father is Adolfo Fernando Carrera. My mother is Maria Victoria Mendez. And without knowing what to say, what to do, like someone was divinely guiding me. It's like you are taken to higher consciousness, Julian. So at that moment is if I was divinely guided to know what to say next. And you know, Julian, what I said? It's like, I say first the name of my father and I say, forgive him for he did not know what he did. Then the next name of anyone who had ever hurt me somehow will come to my awareness and I'll say, forgive her for he did not know what she did. And that was referring to my father's wife. Mm-hmm. Then the next person, relationships, whatever, about a good 40 minutes, forgiving people, forgive them and there in the front of the fire and all I did was cry and all I could feel was compassion and understanding that everyone in their lives, they're operating in the only way they know, depending on where they are in their personal journey. Mm -hmm. They say, it's said that wounded people or hurt people hurt others, and that's what happens. So I was, I had this deep awareness that I had released everyone so that they can be free. And I had also free myself from any hate, from any resentment, from anything. And I, now I was free to live my life to my fullest potential.
0: That is, it's, I don't even know what to say there is there is so much beauty in in everything you said and 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 so many things actually to take from from that story for anyone who wants to move forward as well but at first i want to thank you for sharing this story because it's a it's a very personal story i think but um but by being so inspiring, I think it, it will help people move forward themselves. So thank you so much.
1: No, Thank you, Julianne. One part that I would add is that uh, I had to forgive the Mormon Church for the way they treated me as if I was less than anyone mm-hmm. because of who I am. I had to forgive everybody. That's it. That's the consciousness of that institution. But now I, had, I was in a very different place. So now you, you, you asked at the beginning, Julianne, so how do we, what's, what's our purpose here,
2: hmm.
1: right? How do we help others? Truly, the moment that we understand who we are, that the moment that I understood that I am enough, that I am a spark of the infinite, and then there is nothing I have to prove to anyone or anybody, They're expansive and they're infinite. And now, once you come to that understanding, you can walk into any space and it does not matter what anyone else thinks. Mm -hmm. It does not matter. And I feel that when you actually shift something within yourself, you feel something within yourself and you come to that understanding of who you are, any space you walk into, there is a certain power. There is a certain magnetism. And it doesn't matter who anyone, what anyone else thinks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, I think, I think a philosopher, this spiritual philosopher, said um, something about when you know who, people who know who you are, they are the most powerful people in the world. That when people who are awakened they, they don't belong to any institution. They're not defined by anyone and by mm-hmm. anybody. It's about being awakening to your higher self,
0: to who you truly are. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting with your story as well. I mean, I, I, I love mm-hmm. that, that switch you, you talk about in about forgiving yourself so you can be free and then by by being free then you can be whoever you are you want to be and who you truly are and um and but i loved as well this this element and i think similar to the iron man i'm i'm sure the the um, going in into that retreat in Costa Rica might not work for everybody either that's right and it's what it would work for you but one of the things I, I heard that really resonated with me in what you said is how, and in that case, he was a shaman, but held that space for you to be able to be with yourself. And and I think, again, you you mentioned earlier on about having that curiosity when you're supporting the people around you that may be going through tough times and through darkness. But I think that element as well of holding that space and and, and I think that's probably what somehow the Ironman did in, to some extent. It was more of a physical space uh, rather than the, the more emotional and spiritual space that you experience in the second part of your journey. Um, but I think that, that's something that really resonated with me. How can I support the people around me? Probably by, by giving them that space, that space to, that space to be who they are and go back to anything that they haven't forgiven them themselves for or forgiven others for or um, they haven't resolved in some ways and they need to be there present in that moment to be able to move forward i think that's that's another thing that was that's beautiful in your message
1: yeah that's right julianne you know i'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was my that this is my journey. This is Mm -hmm. what I had to go through to be where I am today. And there are more wonderful things that are waiting for me. But you have to listen to the messages of the universe of what is your journey? What are the things that you you have to say yes to in order to transcend and transform? It may not be the same things that I have done. You know, not everybody thinks about doing this crazy and raise or going through something Um, very different and and, uh, like uh, you ask a ceremony in Costa Rica, but then what is your yes? Mm
2: -hmm. What
1: do you have to say yes to, to transcend, to heal, to be free, right? So it's something that um, I think when we sit in a space of silence within ourselves, that we are more able to listen to the answers. Because all the answers are within ourselves. But sometimes we're very busy. We get so busy in this life with these external factors and, and mm-hmm. worries and whatever it is. And then there, there are moments that you just have to just be still. And I meditate every morning, Julia. Every morning I meditate because I have gone through these powerful experiences. But then you have to integrate. And, and what is my practice now? My practice, you have to stay connected. Because of, the goal is to stay connected to who I am. And mm-hmm. to stay connected to a higher force, which is how I live life to, uh, to this creator, the infinite creator, but now what is your practice to stay connected to yourself? Um, and and that's, uh, that's something that each person has to answer for himself or herself.
0: Very true. Mm-hmm. And it takes time sometimes, and it's okay. I think. And
1: it's okay. Yeah, I it's took okay. years. And, and one of the reasons why I share my story is because I don't want other people to suffer for many years the way I did. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like you said, Julianne, there are people who can show up in our lives to help us or show us a better way to get there faster, to get to Mm -hmm. healing faster, to get to that door faster. And that's why I feel this purpose to put this out there so that I can help others see the door faster or find their own way faster. Because that's why we're here. We're here to tell our stories. You facilitate the space, Julian, because it opens a window for people to see other ways of being, others, to hear other stories that can light, like ignite their own light within themselves.
0: Yes. And, And thank you again for sharing that. And I think um it's a good timing to kind of remind everyone of of um, your book so 140 miles of life a remarkable journey to self-acceptance and love because i'm i'm pretty sure there are plenty of people out there who would want to go even deeper into your story and 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 you share you shared quite a bit already but i'm sure there is more in the book as well that people can yeah, discover absolutely. so um so here it is and I'd like to, to And thank by the way, so the Ising
1: Amazon, just for because people have told me after I joined a podcast, where is it? And so then, you know, is in Amazon is 140 miles of life, a remarkable mm-hmm. journey of self-acceptance and all.
0: And I'll definitely share the link as well in, in the notes of the episode. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart to <laughs> uh, be present and and here with me today um one last question i want to ask you actually is if people want to reach out they have questions they want to learn more about you what's the best way for them to do that
1: well thank you Juliet. they can uh, reach out via linkedin i also have a website VeronicaCarrera.com. that's another way Um, but otherwise via linkedin um, or my website i also have facebook a facebook page i have an instagram page 140 miles of life so either channel I'll be happy to connect with you I actually do go into and answer myself everyone's questions or messages and I'm the one investing myself to make sure that I connect with others and by the way Julianne thank you for um you are a beautiful host you create that space and, and I'm so grateful for your calling as a coach and in, in the space that you're creating through this podcast so thank you so much
0: well, thank thank you for for the the kind words and and again once more, thank you so much for uh, being here today and looking forward to everything that's gonna happen and unravel and and flourish and be ignited um, in the near future for you and everyone who is inspired by your story as well. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Julian. À la
0: prochaine. À <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook or YouTube at As Diverse As Two Peas in a pod. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.